0: There are persistent and widespread inequities in health outcomes in the United States based on race, gender, language, socioeconomic class, and other factors. One strategy for addressing these inequities involves leveraging the technology, infrastructure, and resources that are already being used by patient safety programs. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Karthik Sivashankar, medical director of quality, safety, and equity at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Dr. Sivashankar has co-authored a Perspective article about advancing safety and equity goals together. Dr. Sivashankar, could you start by telling us a bit about the systems-level approaches that have been adopted to protect patient safety over the past couple of decades?
1: So in terms of the patient safety movement, it's been going on for the last 30, 40 years. It really started with individual patient stories and narratives and grew from there. But I think that's been a really powerful part of the movement of taking these stories of adverse events and then using them to develop system-level solutions or redesigns, because at the end of the day, a lot of the errors that we see are system-level errors. So to put it another way, we can kind of think about it as system contributors, human performance contributors, and then behavior. And when we talk about just culture, we're really talking about addressing all of those different levels and trying to identify opportunities for improvement. And so taking the individual event, the case that something went wrong for a patient, using that narrative to then do a root cause analysis, which comes by different names, but I'll just refer to it as an RCA, and then trying to identify these different contributors usually is a successful approach for identifying system level redesign. And the best example I can give of that would be the example of a stop sign. So when we're talking about a highly reliable system, What we mean is that a stop sign, the person driving sees it, they understand it, and they're able to respond to it. A stop sign can be an effective risk mitigator. But a lot of things can go wrong. So what would be a more resilient version of that, a systems-level version? That would be, for example, if spikes came up out of the road so that the person literally could not drive through the stop sign. That would be a more resilient system. And so when we're looking for ways to improve care and improve safety, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about making systems more reliable, more resilient, and that usually involves talking about systems level solutions.
0: In your perspective article, you say that there's a natural alignment between that sort of framework that we use to improve safety and the approach that we can use to improve equity. So how do you see those efforts as being compatible?
1: Historically, equity issues have been marginalized at most healthcare institutions. More often than not, they're treated as kind of special cases where you'll kind of under-resource one or two people as equity people in your organization, and then ask them to solve the problem. And unsurprisingly, not much can be accomplished in that way. So how do we actually take equity and move it into the very center or heart of the organization, understanding that it's a fundamental dimension of quality? One thing that's really critical in that process is understanding that most of the inequities we see are not happening on an interpersonal level, meaning it's one person being discriminatory toward another person, is painful, it's traumatic, it happens, but that's really not what is perpetuating the systematic differences and outcomes that we see in healthcare. That's really happening at a systems institutional level. So I can also call that structural level, and that's policies, practices, et cetera. And so understanding that a lot of the inequities we see are arising at a structural level, how do we come up with structural solutions? And I think this is where the link with patient safety becomes really clear and helpful in that with safety, we're always looking to improve systems to make them more reliable and resilient and to optimize the functioning of the people that are working within those systems. So patient safety has a very rigorous approach to systems that we can then take and apply to inequities. And as an example of that, we might think about if something happens in a pharmacy where there's a barrier around language, taking an interpersonal approach, which is often what's taken is trying to understand what happened between the pharmacist and the patient and how can we educate the pharmacist and so that they can do better. Not saying that's not important, but with safety, we're really thinking about, well, what are the systems level opportunities to improve the translation services and care at the pharmacy. And that might be everything from like ability to access translators to technical barriers to staffing barriers. And so I think it really lends itself to the current infrastructure that we have in patient safety.
0: As a first step toward increasing equity, you say in your article that healthcare institutions could apply an equity lens to their existing safety data. So walk us through what that approach might look like.
1: I think it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as just asking the question whenever possible, is there an equity issue happening? Is there an equity risk associated with this event? You could take it a step further and you could start to look at the different levels that these inequities happen at. So at an personal level, that's kind of like human behavior when we're talking about safety. Are there individual actors who are needing more education or needing some sort of remediation? Then you can think about implicit bias, for example, which really gets at kind of human performance, which is, are there things that are outside of people's awareness that are affecting how they're operating? And how do we provide them that knowledge and understanding? We could then think about institutional. Are there policies, practices that our institution has that sets up systematic barriers or vice versa? And then structural. So each institution is existing within a much broader community and a much broader history. So what are the structural barriers that patients face based on race and other factors that make it easy or hard to access healthcare and, and get the best possible care? So you can just ask that simple question first about, is there an equity issue associated with the event? And then the next question being, well, at what level? Is it interpersonal? Is it implicit? Is it institutional? Or is it structural? And really trying to address all of those levels. I think it can get a little bit tricky when we get to structural because organizations can get overwhelmed at what point do we draw the boundary and say that this is no longer our responsibility in health care and it's responsibility of education or other areas of society? But I think at the very minimum, we need to be thinking in that way, because as long as we're trying to address equity issues in health care and not talking to the folks trying to do the same thing in education or the legal system, we're not going to make a lot of progress because it's just too fragmented and siloed. You say
0: in your article that in order to shrink inequities, organizations are going to have to set clear equity-related aims and establish accountability mechanisms. Who should lead those efforts? Who beyond the one or two people that you talked about who are ill-paid to run the current efforts? Who should be responsible for this, and what kind of input do organizations need to set this in motion?
1: That's a great question. I think at the end of the day, it's the responsibility of every single person in the organization, but in terms of actually catalyzing the change that we're talking about, I think it has to start with leadership. And that's really at the board level and at the C-suite level. And I think it's a fundamental transformation of the way that we're thinking about healthcare. Right now, I think there's a tendency toward a very business-minded model, which is focused on delivering more healthcare, more services. That doesn't always necessarily lead to better health for people. So if we really focus on health of the people that we're treating, of our communities, making that the priority, then the conversation is completely different. The things that we care about are completely different. As an example, if you think about access, I think that's a very fundamental measure. Can patients, regardless of their race, gender, et cetera, get into your system, get their foot in the system in the first place? If they can't get their foot in the door, it doesn't matter if you're offering amazing care because they can't access it in the first place. So having a business kind of focused model where the whole goal is just on offering more services, that sort of thing may not matter. But when we're really talking about taking care of a community, that means taking care of the entire community. So that understanding I think needs to sit with the leaders of the organization. It's really an existential question. What are we here to do as healthcare leaders? Are we just leading businesses and corporations or are we doing something different that is really about taking care of our communities? And if it is about that, then equity needs to be an explicit and stated priority. Coming from the board, coming from the C-suite, And it should be focused on some really clear goals. And I think some basic goals would be things like access, transitions of care, even more so than clinical outcomes, which are downstream. Because if folks can't get in the door, it doesn't matter how good our services are.
0: You say that in moving an institution toward that sort of model, things may appear to get worse before they get better. How do you maintain the momentum for change if that's the case?
1: I think that in patient safety, they experienced the same thing, which was that When you start looking and you start digging, you start to uncover a lot of the problems that were previously invisible or hidden. And so in patient safety and that whole movement, it was almost like the more that they looked, the more problems that they found, the more that were being reported, but that was actually a sign that we were doing the right thing. So the first step is just identifying the risks that are out there. And so we're expecting that we'll see the same thing with inequities and how it relates to quality and safety, which is that there are inequities happening all over the place but we're just systematically not identifying them. And so we're gonna see that as we start to pay more attention to it as an organization, that we're identifying more and more of these events. And so it could look like things are getting worse. It could look like all of a sudden, we're having all of these issues around equity that previously didn't happen, but that's actually a sign of progress. That means that we're doing the right thing. We're looking. But once we've looked, that can be a traumatic process in itself. It's almost like an abscess. And once you've cut the abscess, there's a lot of pus that has to come out. Well, these are wounds that have been building in our communities for hundreds of years. The inequities that we see today in healthcare didn't come out of just anywhere. They're grounded all the way back into the very foundation of the country. So that's hundreds and hundreds of years of forms of structural discrimination that have been experienced and held by communities. And so the moment you start looking at it, it's going to bring out a lot in folks. And there needs to be some sort of plan or process for how to manage that, how to hold that, how to create the psychological safety to do the exploration and do the work and to hold the pain and suffering that's going to come with that. So I think it's not an easy process, but healing is rarely an easy process. It's almost always a difficult process.
0: Finally, you've talked about the role of the C-suite and CEOs. What role can individual clinicians play in fostering conversations, generating action on inequities within their practices and in the larger systems they work in?
1: I think there's so much that we can do. It's difficult for clinicians because they feel overwhelmed. I think there's a lot of burnout. They already feel like there's so much on their plate. So thinking about inequities feels like just another thing that is being asked of them and that they may not have the bandwidth to manage. But that said, I think there's a real strong desire among clinicians to provide equitable care. Most people who go into healthcare are doing it because they care about people and they want to heal people. And so inequities are energy sapping. They take away from the experience of the providers and the patients. And so being able to do something about it can be energy givings. So well, what that would look like could depend on the person and the institution. I think one good place to start is to actually not focus on the interpersonal, which is the interaction between that clinician and the patient, but actually to focus on identifying the system's problems. What I mean by that is we could spend a lot of time trying to train our clinicians on how to provide more culturally sensitive care with their patients, and I think that's incredibly important. We could also spend some time looking at what are the systematic barriers preventing patients from seeing those clinicians. And I would say that maybe a good place to start is with those system opportunities. So I think clinicians in their roles could try to identify those opportunities. They could start reporting them as patient safety events, as patient experience events, and bringing institutional attention to them and institutional resources to those problems. In that process, other things will organically happen, like education for providers. For finding that there are systematic inequities, we have to address those systems issues, but then almost always that comes with education, other things. So I'm providing a kind of unusual suggestion for what to do for clinicians, which is usually folks will talk about how to improve the, the patient-provider relationship. And I'm actually suggesting something a little different, which is look for the systems problems in your practices and report them to the institution, and see if they're following up on them.
0: Thank you, Dr. Sivashankar.